like, there's a story that carries from season one to the end of season four. And it centers around Carmen trying to find her family and also international crime exploits. And who doesn't love a good international crime exploit? As Sandra Bullock said in Ocean's 8, which is another phenomenal crime movie that everyone should watch, you're not doing this for you. You're doing this for the little girl looking up at the ceiling, wanting to commit crimes. Do it for her. Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm a big red hat. Oh, God. And this week, we go on an international educational crime spree with Netflix's Carmen Sandiego. Before we turn our backs on the only family we've ever known, remember you can help us on Mortify the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter at MortifiedPod. Layla, this week uh, we watched Netflix's Carmen Sandiego. Yeah, season one. Uh, yeah. Which is three. Of, you, you watch season one. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm all caught up, baby. I'm a big fan <laughs> of this show. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, based on this uh, quick slice of life we got from it, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily hate watching the rest of it. I, I very much enjoyed this one. Um, and I'm excited to talk about uh, why. Um, but real quick, um, before we even get into the summary, I have to know, did you play the original Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego video game? When did it come out? 95. So, like, I mean, not when we were the age of using computers, but... Uh, anything before 2005, the answer is probably not, unless my cousin showed it to me, because I emigrated here in 2001, and it takes a while to catch up, and then you give up on catching up on some things. That is fair. Um, I will say, like, I never played the original Carmen Sandiego games, but, like, in, like, when I would go to, like, the computer lab at school when I was a young student, like, I would always have, like, we would play the CD-ROMs that had, like, ads for Carmen Sandiego in it, uh, and I was always like, man, where, where is this girl? Like, they're all very concerned and they want me to buy a whole new video game to figure it out. And I've always just been intrigued by, by Carmen and her, and her exploits. I even watched um, on YouTube, like the original, like, I don't know if it was, it was, it was like some sort of animated like video for their introduction. And she's just like this international woman of mystery, leaving clues for intrepid young uh, children detectives to find. And, uh, you know, her, her, her design is iconic. Uh, even if, you know, you've never played a Carmen Sandiego game, you know who Carmen is. But th- what this show posits is, you know, not where is Carmen Sandiego, but how is Carmen Sandiego? And also, why is Carmen Sandiego? <laughs> and we answer all those questions and more. And you know what? I was very pleased with the answers. Yeah, no, for real, for real, for real. Uh, Carmen, uh, yeah, I never engaged with any, like, Carmen Sandiego content, much like, uh, much like most things in embedded in popular culture i had like i knew the phrase where in the world is carmen san diego and i know how to use it as a reference in conversation but i'd never engaged with the content or content 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 
<clears throat> Listeners, I am going through some shit, um, namely a natural disaster. So if I'm a little bit off my game, blame uh, Winterstorm Yuli. So, um, or Yuri, is that what they named him? Who cares? Um, but yeah, so when this show came up, I mean, I just like like animated TV shows, especially geared at like teens. I think they're nice. I don't often have the brain power to stomach like big, deep dramas. They tire me out. So I like just like a lighthearted bit of entertainment. And the thing I liked about this show was that it looked really good. Like, like visually, it is beautifully colored, has a cool style, and it's nicely animated. So I was like, hell yeah. And then you watch it and you're like, oh shit, there's a plot. <laughs> so uh, Aaron, do you want to summarize season one for us a little bit? Uh, it would be my pleasure. So basically, we get uh, the backstory. We get Carmen San Diego origins. Um, basically, um, Carmen was found as a, a young girl from Argentina, oh, a baby from Argentina, and she was adopted by this uh, group called Vile, um, which are professional uh, thieves. And she grew up on their island uh, and, and was like sort of um, tutored by a bunch of uh, nannies who shared uh, both their languages and their culture with her. Um, and then she also, you know, received, uh, you know, surrogate training from the professors at this vile academy for thieves, um, you know, mostly from this woman named Coach Brunt, who is like sort of the combat instructor, like a big, um, you know, butchy Texan um, who is, you know, like kind of seen as her, her surrogate mother throughout the the show and she like you know she grows up she enrolls in this academy she goes through all the training with a bunch of other um thieves that all have really um interesting code names uh and she you know wants to you know join become a professional thief just like everybody else on the island but uh on her final exam the teacher who is named shadow san uh and he is a samurai um, and I don't know how many people who aren't weebs listen to this show, but, uh, that, if you use the San prefix in English, that roughly translates to, uh, Mr. So his name is Mr. Shadow. <laughs> anyway, he's her nemesis through the first season, and he's the reason that Carmen doesn't, like, uh, pass, right? She, he flunks her, uh, and she suspects he cheated on the exam to make sure she fails. Um, but anyway, she goes rogue. She turns against this, this family, uh, or not family, but this organization, um, uh, because vile actually stands for like, fuck, what does it stand for? Isn't it like villains international league of evil or something? It's something like that, which makes it, I, it's just the names are, I mean, you brought up the names a little bit, but they are extremely good. What does vile stand for? Carmen Santiago. <laughs> Professional Audio Villains International League. Yep. Of evil. Yeah, very good. Of very evil. good. I crushed Excellent. It. Um yeah, so she, you know, she she realizes that she's going to spend her whole life fighting against this family that that raised her because they're bad guys. Um and she joins up with this I assume 14-year-old named Player who is like a white hat hacker um and a couple of Bostonian twins named Zach and Ivy. 
And together they go on these international capers trying to thwart Vile. Um, and they're also being pursued by uh, the agents of Interpol, Interpol uh, Chase Devereaux and Julia Argent. Uh, and eventually Chase and Julia get drafted into Acme, which is like basically the Vile counterpart. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, the good police, essentially. Um, and what does Acme stand for? Uh, agency to classify and monitor evildoers. <laughs> <laughs> which is so funny um and uh yeah it the the series just follows the the exploits of carmen as she counters vile's uh operatives and operations um and at the end there there's a twist when the the two of the vile professors confront her and but yeah it, it was really fun just to uh just to watch these adventures yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it is very much like a show geared at kids. Like, so every time Carmen goes somewhere new, they find a way to, like, dump a bunch of facts about the location on you. Like, oh, we're going to... Oh, God, I don't even know. Indonesia um, was the one that was like... <laughs> it was just like, hey, we're going to Indonesia. Indonesia has a population... Is, like, the fourth <laughs> biggest population in the world. And also, they call their capital the Big Durian. Because, just like New York is called the Big Apple. But durians actually smell bad, but they taste good because it's the king of fruits. And it's like, okay, I get it. Um, you know what? I don't hate this, though. If I love I love exposition, <laughs> and especially if it's educational. Yeah, I mean, it's extremely cute, right? But that's the thing. The thing that I would say this is geared at, like, 8 to 12-year-olds, probably. Because it's, like, a te- I don't think a teenager would necessarily enjoy getting lectured about Indonesia and durians and whatever the hell else, wherever the hell else Carmen goes. But it's got just enough, like, fun exposition that they really do try to weave into the episode. And then, like, a genuinely compelling found family plot. Like, there's a story that carries from season one to the end of season four. And it centers around Carmen trying to find her family and also international crime exploits. And who doesn't love a good international crime exploit? As Sandra Bullock said in Ocean's 8, which is another phenomenal crime movie that everyone should watch, you're not doing this for you. You're doing this for the little girl looking up at the ceiling, wanting to commit crimes. Do it for her. Do it for her. That's right. And Carmen very much does commit crimes in a good way. I think they... (laughs) One thing that I didn't necessarily love, but I did think was like kind of cute, was like they're like, okay, Carmen, as soon as she, you know, uh, does steal, because she does definitely steal from Vile, um, they're the bad guys, so it's fine. They, but they go out of the way to say that, like, yeah, she does these crimes, but only against bad people. And then when she, whatever money she does make off of them, uh, she immediately sends to like nonprofits and charities, which is like, you know, very funny, but also like. You know, there's, there's like a whole plot where they're trying to get like this very expensive stamp, but like that opens with her bidding $75,000 at like a children's hospital auction. It's just like, holy shit, you're 20 years old. <laughs> is that how old she is? I looked up because I was like, is she 16? I don't love how young I feel like she is, but I looked up on the Wikipedia and it says like ru- she's roughly 20. So. Oh, interesting. 
interesting. Yeah, I can never. She's very age ambiguous, but I think that's part of the fun, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for for like little kids to be able to relate to her, to not explicitly be like, look at this twenty year old woman <laughs> doing escapades. No, yeah. she's extremely good, um, and I also really like her iconography, like the big red hat, the red hair the big red trench coat, and she's got this cool, like, paraglider she uses to get away from situations. It's all very, mwah, chef's kiss. I love it. She's a red triangle, and that's all I want out of my female protagonists. A red triangle. Yeah, honestly. Um, <laughs> the thing that I, I like a lot about this is the way that they also have Carmen interact with a bunch of other characters in this show, specifically the arcs that she goes through with, um, you know, Shadow San and um, Coach Brunt, because those are like her, you know, her surrogate mother and like her nemesis from from Vile. But also, um, like all the other Vile agents, like if we're if we're like going through the list of characters, like um, the most the one that has the most screen time is this guy called Gray or Graham. Um, but his code name is Crackle because he has like a stun baton. Uh, and he used so, to be an electrician. So he's Graham Crackle. Ah. Yeah, Gra- Graham All Crackle. That's his whole thing. Um, All the names are so good. <laughs> yeah, she also has another uh, enemy uh, whose name is Tigress because she like has like Freddy Krueger claws and like a cool mask as a part of her thing. Uh, there's two other people who's like there's La Chevre who's because his whole thing is like climbing up tall buildings. There's El Topo, whose whole thing is burrowing underneath buildings. And the worst one, in my opinion, uh, is Mime Bomb, the the mime who does crime. (laughs) No, I love Mime Bomb so much. No, the Chevra is funny. So for our listeners who maybe don't, Chevra means goat cheese, goat. I'm pretty sure it just means goat and goats climb things. And he's also French. Incredible. Um, I don't know about El Topo. I'm guessing it means mole. But you know what? It's all good. It's really good. Mind Bomb is excellent. I love Mind Bomb so much. Mind Bomb gets such a good plot in, in season four. Um, oh, no. He, he doesn't get killed off. Damn it. <laughs> I hope nobody fucking gets killed off. More excellent names. Uh, Cookie Booker. She's a bookie. Love her. Uh, Dash Haber as in Haberdasher. Incredible to me. Uh, Neil the Eel. Just, I, it doesn't get much better than that. Also, Moose Boy. There's a Moose Boy. Okay. Uh, And last but not least, Robbie the Robo Robber. Sorry? Robbie the Robo Robber. It's a little much, don't you think? No, it's not. It's excellent. It's really great. Um, there's apparently 794 Vile Academy graduates. Uh, uh, 794? I mean, not, not all of them are in the show, obviously, but it's a little yeah, bit but like, that many. I didn't realize they had like a, like a fucking Phoenix online except for fucking criminals. Like, that's a lot of people. That's a small university. <laughs> yeah, and they're all out there doing crimes. And I, you know, I would be proud of them, but they do. The whole beef that Carmen has is that they remove like cultural artifacts that belong to their original people. So like the instigating conflict that turns her against Vile is the um, Vile tries to steal the Eye of Vishnu, which is kind of wild. Um, but that's when she ends up turning on them, and it's just, you know, I love. You know me, I love a scammer. I love a crime. Yeah, no, I mean they they do play some very good good crimes and and do great heists. 
Um, I think one of my my favorite ones is where she um, makes one of her basically like they're trying to steal this um, Vermeer painting basically, and like for due to some sort of like mix up. Um, you know, Dash Haber comes into the the room and he's like, "Oh, okay." He he sees her Bostonian counterpart and he's like, "Oh, okay. You're the you're the person who is selling this painting. I guess I'll deal with you." And like the whole next like day is um uh the Boston guy Zach like having to become like a duke um and like be like get all this like fucking uh you know princess training and like overcome his boston accent and they have like there's there's like a whole bit where he is what is what do they make him say over and over again until he learns how to do it in a good british accent it's um like park the car in aardvark yard um and he's like park the car in aardvark yard and then (laughs) it's uh it's you know, it's not exactly like the most sophisticated humor, but it is really good watching this fucking Bostonian guy just be like, I'm never going to learn how to do this. And also, please don't make me eat fish. I know. I mean, I'm glad you brought up, brought up Zach and Ivy because I think they're excellent. They're these little like Bostonian carjackers. <laughs> and uh, I think the charm of the whole kind of trio of them is that Player and Carmen have the brain cells in the group. Zach and Ivy <laughs> do not. They have one and they share it. So it's not as if Vile, who has all these like trained criminals on their end, it's not as if they're going up against an equally trained, equally large cabal of criminals. It's two competent people and two fucking idiots disrupting all of their plans, sometimes on accident. And one of the competent people is just, like, a kid who does this, like, after his high school classes, like, <laughs> for fun. Yeah, he's literally homeschooled, and he he's Wade from Kim Possible. There's, like, a lot of Kim Possible parallels here, but, like, he just hangs out in his room and, and minds his business. And he got to know Carmen because Carmen had an, a contraband cell phone while she was at Vile, and he hacked into it. And then they just became friends. And then, you know what? Isn't that how we want all... Isn't that essentially how we became friends? Uh, basically, yeah. I, I kept tweeting about, about you about Naruto and various cultural artifacts that I wanted you to steal. And here we are. Yeah. And and I've, I've uh, succeeded in stealing many of them, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the other side, we did touch a little bit on the vile agents. Um, but we should, we should also talk about Chase and, and Agent Arjan. <laughs> Oh, okay. So Chase is like the first character that we get in the whole series. Um, and he's this he's this, this adult man who works for Interpol. And also he's the dumbest motherfucker in the world. I hate him so much. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty fucking stupid. Uh, I, I, speaking of brain cells, like Agent Arjant has the only mm-hmm. brain cells in this uh, collective because he wants to catch Carmen Sandiego so bad. And she's just like, hey... Noticed something weird. She doesn't seem to take anything. Ever. Isn't that weird? And he's like, oh, she's a criminal. (laughs) He's going. (laughs) He crashes like eight cars. He breaks every bone in his body. He's so (laughs) stupid. And she's just like, ah, maybe we reconsider. And he's like, no. And that's their whole dynamic. 
I mean, exactly. Yeah. She, she's just like, hey, this woman, this Carmen Sandiego keeps giving us all the things that we're, she's allegedly stealing. And Chase is like, but but she still stole them. Right. And then Julia's like, no. And he's like, I will catch her. Um, and then <laughs> he does have one redeeming moment for me in season one, which is like when he gets um, apparently uh, Vile thinks that he and Carmen are working together for some reason. Um, and like they they kidnap him and they like try to to you know extract information out of him using like this you know mind control device and the way that he resists it is by singing the French national anthem at the top of his lungs, which is very funny. Yeah, he does have some pretty excellent. He's a pretty textbook. Uh, I can't call him a himbo yet because season one he doesn't drink a whole ton of respect women juice. Um, but I don't think that's a respect women thing. I think that's just a respect anyone thing. <laughs> Yeah, he's just stupid he's, and doesn't realize that he's stupid. <laughs> he's so dumb. Um, they're excellent. Um, have you met the the lady who runs Acme yet in this? Um, yeah, her chief, right? I mean, chief, I, yeah. we, I got her in like holograms, but I mean, she's basically just like um, uh, Lucretia Adventure Zone, right? That's my that's my take on her. That's what she reminds me of is yeah. uh, um, Lucretia. But yeah, she just kind of comes out of a pen, and I think that's classy as hell. It's great. It's incredible. I guess one of the main things that I was a little bit frustrated with, though, was like the the narrative that they so there's with Graham Crackle, right? Like uh, what they set up from the beginning that like when when she is like first going into the academy, like that uh, gray Graham whatever um that he's like she literally she explicitly refers to him as a big brother figure and as the as season one progresses like and they wipe his mind because she cap she captures him and lets the interpol agents like get him um and vile like you know mind wipes him like the later on like he asks her on a date kind of and like i didn't love that especially i don't know if you how does that develop as the seasons go on yeah, that develops as the seasons go on. Um, uh, yeah, so he comes back in seasons two and... I don't know if he comes back in three. He comes back in season two and four, for sure. Uh, and, yeah, the whole mind wipe kind of arc is odd. Um, I don't know how to. I don't know how to talk about this without like spoiling the the the, the shit he that goes down in in season four with him, um, because he's a pretty central figure. But um, I mean, you could spoil it. Yeah, I know, but I don't wanna. Um, yeah, yeah, spoilers for season four, I guess. But um, the mind wipe thing comes back in a big way, um, and I honestly, honestly, honestly. Uh, I love this show with all my heart. I don't really know how I feel about the ending of season four. Um, but like, Great does get his memories back. I mean, that, that makes sense, right? That's the whole point of, you know, mind wiping him early on is so that way he can, you know, have a revelation later on. Yeah, it's less of a revelation and more of um, him becoming him becoming a, a little too involved kind of on accident, kind of because of Carmen. Um, it is, I'll say this. I think it's interesting what they did with it because it, he goes back to being an electrician for a while. Uh, he, try, 
he tours with an opera, with the Australian opera, which is just kind of tasty and fun for me. <laughs> um, and he, um, he, he kind of gets this um, triggering... He, he goes to jail, basically. And then from there, it, it becomes a series of these, like, triggering impulses for him that he, like, wants to steal, that he is a criminal. Um, oh, and I no. Think, yeah, and I think it's interesting how... I don't know how I feel about framing the want to do crime as, like, an innate personality trait. Yeah, that sounds not great. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Um, but... He does turn on vile in the end, in a way, so... That makes sense, it's yeah. An, it's an interesting arc, and there's, like, a lot that happens in it, but yeah, it's not... I think... <clears throat> Your hesitance shows... about explaining this actually makes me want to go through and watch it more, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Season four is very tense. Season four is very tense and very interesting and very good. Uh, and I, I think it, the show is short enough that I think it's worth just, like, going ahead to finish it. But yeah, he's um he's a really interesting character. I really like him. I don't know how I feel about the handling of of his like kind of innate crime watch. That's it sounds kind of odd. it sounds bad. It <laughs> it <Yeah>. sounds <laughs> whenever you're like, hey, some people just inherently want to do crime. I think you're on the <laughs> wrong side of the debate. Yeah, it's odd, but I will say, kids shows. Um, I I feel like I talk about this a lot, but kids shows. Um. I think when you're making anything, you need to being the you need to pick what you're doing, right? And so I think that they could have spent longer talking about this, and it would have been um, if they had like more room to develop his whole plot arc. I think it would have been better, but they just didn't have enough time, and so it felt like kind of weird um, and and a little bit I don't want to say rushed. But it just feels like they didn't dig deep enough into the issue, and then it does kind of feel like, well, some people just do crime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, y- you make the point that this is a kid's show, and, like, you know, you can sort of hand wave some of that stuff because, like, you know, this is for, you know, an eight-year-old on Netflix who's like, oh, this is a, a fun, colorful thing that I haven't necessarily watched before. Like, I'll, I'll you know, I'll check into this. Um, but, like, as far as kids' media goes, I think that this... Um, this follows in the vein of, of Kipo, right? Where like, just because it's for kids doesn't necessarily mean that they pull punches either emotionally or with the stakes. Like uh, early on, like when they go to Jakarta, it's because they have this like bioengineered um, fungus or whatever that goes on the the rice. And like their whole, Vile's whole plan is to cause a nationwide food crisis by basically doing um an irish potato famine on uh the rice in jakarta and then vile can sell them their like instant rice at inflated prices and like that is a both a very high concept uh evil plan for for a kid's show and also very dark because the alternative is just massive starvation um and like i i don't know like you've probably you've worked on more creative projects than me so like how do you feel about you know this way of like handling kids media with these high concepts that they might not necessarily 100 percent engage with but like you know you're still putting it out there my favorite movie when i was growing up and this is going to reveal a lot about me but one of my 
I think probably either the favorite or one of my top three favorites was The Secret of Nim, which if you've never oh. seen The Secret of Nim, was, yeah, uh, it's a movie about rats that have been experimented on that live under a rose bush on this farmer's property. And uh, they one of their comrades had been a mouse, um, Mr. Mr. Brisby, and he has a wife that's a normal mouse, and he dies, and the wife's, well, their son gets very sick. And the wife finds out you have to go to the rats of Nim for help. They can help you move your house um, so that you can get your your son out of the danger of the plowing season. And uh, listen, <clears throat> when I was like seven, I wasn't exactly engaging with the concept of like animal experimentation. <laughs> you know, I wasn't really thinking about um animal experimentation or like when does a creature become conscious or um you know really processing like what a mother will do for her child or i mean there's some lofty fucking political intrigue in that movie too um considering nicodemus uh gets fucking murgled um by a rat with really great cape action um but that being said I showed Carmen Sandiego to my eight-year-olds when I was teaching animation camps, and they ate that shit up um, because there's, like, a story with it, right? So there's, like, a personal story for Carmen in the show. Um, And, like, if you look at some old Disney movies, they also have some pretty heavy shit, like Hunchback of Notre Dame. The main conflict is genocide and potential assault, right? So... It's not, I don't, kids don't necessarily have to like engage with it, but it is good, I think, to give them a kind of easy to digest reflection of things that could happen in the real world, right? Because kids aren't, they're never going to escape the world. Like parents and older people want to protect kids, or at least they should, from things that are happening. But like, if you can introduce these bad things to them in a way they can digest, and be like, hey, if something like this happens in the real world, bad people could do things like this to hurt, like, regular people just minding their business. So, like, introducing um, the concept that people could be evil and then they could not only cause harm but cause harm for profit, I think is useful. Because that's the world we live in and, and these... Um, these things are happening and are being brought to light more and more and more often. So I think giving kids like an easy way to digest it and early on giving them kind of not necessarily a moral compass, but like, like giving them an easy narrative to associate these things with, I think is a nice introduction to like the world at large. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I really like that analogy. Um, also, watch The Secret of Nim. It's a good fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't remember much about The Secret of Nim, but I do remember it being very emotionally hard for me as a child. Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot of stuff. There's a cool owl. I really like that owl. He's really spooky. Uh, also, the main villain has a really great cape, and I had a crush on the um, sidekick rat. He was cool. His name is Justin. Great. I'm, I'm proud of Justin, you know? <laughs> my endorsement <laughs> i feel like he was actually on one of your boyfriend's lists your animated boyfriend list 
Oh, yeah, he absolutely actually is. I added him as a bonus because he's not from anime. But, uh, yeah, I have found that in retrospect, um, I you can you can whittle down my my love interests in pretty neat categories. And, yeah, I wrote a whole blog about it. So for my birthday. (laughs) Great. Excellent. Yeah. So it's going to be a pretty, pretty short episode this week. Um, I mean, we you know we talked about a kids show, but also I'm, uh, I I'm in a pandemic, natural disaster combination, pandemic, natural disaster. So uh, unfortunately, talking for an hour, the concept of it escapes me right now. Um, but yeah, Aaron, would you say you you enjoyed your time here uh, with Miss with Miss San Diego? No, definitely. I I was I was really <laughs> enthralled by by the story and like the the weird characterization and, and world building. Um, I thought it was neat and. I, I think I will probably look into look into watching it more in the future. Um, so we'll yeah. we'll have to you know I'm sure I'll I'll message you about that you know if I find this weird chase reveal in season four. Yeah, it's a it's a really fun thing to have in the background because I mean you know it's one of those shows that you don't necessarily have to be like watching watching though you should watch it because it is really 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 beautiful. I think it's it's really well art directed and and um, just really good looking. Um, just as a last note, um, as I've mentioned a couple of times, Texas did just go through a winter storm, uh, Yuri, which has been trying for, for a good, good state. Um, so, uh, I get a lot of people asking me how you can help. Um, I'll tell you most people in, uh, I won't say most, but, um, people in, in more metropolitan areas are, are probably a little bit better off right now, um, considering, uh, a lot of us are, are in like essential power grids and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, generally speaking, our um, utilities are a little bit faster to return to us. But if you are looking for ways to help, um, there are a bunch of places you could donate. Um, the Austin Mutual Aid Fund is is Kick the Cold. You could donate to any Texas food bank. So there's Feed the People Dallas, for example. Um, there's a really great... Uh, uh, effort to get homeless people off the streets in, I believe, Houston. You could go to uh, linktree.com. Um, so it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash H-T-X dot H-O-C. Um, there's also sites like Crowdsource Rescue, SouthernSolidarity.org, uh, FeedingTexas.org. Um, you could also, uh, AOC has been raising money um, <laughs> because she didn't go to Cancun. Uh, she's been raising money for the Houston Food Bank and helping out. You could donate through AOC. You could also um, go to poweredbythepeople.org. It's poweredxpeople.org slash volunteer. Beto has been um, doing wellness checks on our elderly folks. So um, the best way you can help Texas is by helping people on the ground that are already doing the work here. Uh, Shipping services are pretty delayed because of the weather, so care packages and stuff probably won't get here. Um, Check in on people that you know that live here. Um, Some of us... I was extremely lucky. My power was only out for 27 hours. I didn't have water for a couple of days, um, but that's kind of been the luckiest you could be. Uh, I have a friend whose power was out for 93 hours. Um, Some folks still don't have power. Um, We're still having issues with water. Um, We're still in a boil water notice. So um, yeah, if you could just find some organizations on the ground and and send a few bucks their way, I know, um, especially considering we're still in a homelessness crisis due to COVID, I know some folks would appreciate it. So um, yeah, help out the neediest among us because our government has completely abandoned us. Uh, on that somber note, uh, Aaron, where can people find you on the internet? 
Um, you can find me on the internet at AaronSXL. You can also listen to the other podcast I do at The Bible Boys. Uh, we just recorded two episodes, actually. Um, the first one that came out uh, yesterday was about the TV series The Chosen. Uh, and the second one that will come out uh, later on uh this week will be about Rush Limbaugh. Um, so uh, tune in for that. Um, Layla, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I'm at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and TikTok. And TikTok. On the talk now. Um, <clears throat> haven't been posting too much art just because I've been in class. Um, but yeah, just uh, uh, you can read my essays um, at laylamamadova.com slash blog, or um, you can... Support one of those Texas organizations I just talked about. That would be really, 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 really great. Um, I will, as pro always, eventually get back to my webcomic, TBD. Um, also, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmakers Reference Kit Volume 2. Find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, what do we tell people? What's our, what is that thing we always say uh, we're trying to give advice to young and up-and-coming criminals? Well, Aaron... White collar crime is where the real money is. (laughs) We'll see you all next week.